of Conversations with Cooler People Than Me, host Sarah Mason and guest host filmmaker Sergio Panero, sit down with award-winning cinematographer Mihai Malamare to talk about his work on the film Jojo Rabbit. We are here with award-winning cinematographer Mihai Malamare. How are you? Uh, hi, I'm good. Thank you. Thank you for being with us. We're here to talk about your work with Jojo Rabbit. Thank you. And I, I just have to say I loved your work with The Hate You Give. That was extraordinary, as well as the master. And uh, I've been a fan for a long time, so it's wonderful to talk to you. Yeah, I just want to interject and say I saw the master on 70 millimeter, and that was amazing. <laughs> so first, tell us how uh, it came that you worked, got to work with Taika. Um, I mean, it happened really fast because I was actually on the reshoots for The Hate You Give in, in Atlanta. And um, I remember receiving the script, reading it overnight really fast and then had a Skype conversation with, with Taika and as soon as I I was done with those reshoots I uh, came back to LA for four days and then flew to Prague Wow <laughs> so. And so you shot outside of Prague or in Prague? Um, we we had the um, um, in Georgia's house the interiors built uh, in the Barandov studios, um, and then uh, our exteriors were uh, two little towns outside Prague, um, and um, some some fields and um, and the forest for. For, for the for the camp but um, what was amazing about about those two little towns is that um, they were really careful with uh, placing air conditionings and wires and all that so they look very similar to to the way they were in 1940s well the, and because that I understand you were able to do that fantastic 360 shot. Because everywhere you went, everything looks perfectly in, t in the time period. Yeah, I mean, there were um, uh, everything was was fairly close as soon as you you would move some street signs and modern cars. But uh, there were there were a few things um, that were done by uh, by VFX and our department and um even like some some of them are hard to remember but we we had some some big green screens just to extend the, the city a little bit and and so on but um yeah i mean those those two cities allowed us to to do some some of the 360 moves so i, I went into the movie actually trying to know as little as possible about it because i already knew I, I really wanted to see it so i yeah. love kind of going in as blind as possible and one of the things that struck me right off the bat is the use of color, particularly in the first half, um, which is funny because it kind of goes against the sort of expectation, um, you know, for a movie set during the active phase of World War II, the tendency I've seen in previous films and things like that is to really desaturate and things like that. I was wondering if you could speak a little bit about the use of color and then how it shifts toward the movie. Mm -hmm. I think, I mean, that was one of, one of the earliest conversations we, we had, uh, Taika and I, but it, it came also from, from the other departments. And, um, I remember talking about how we were both, uh, quite shocked when we first saw color images from, from World War II. Um, and it's definitely interesting when, when you think about it, but the more we saw, um, um, images and, and, uh, uh, for example, like 
costume samples or or like there were a lot of things coming from from the production design from uh, from Ra. There were a lot of art concepts and uh, and the more we we digged into references, the more we realized like that's kind of how how it was and it's uh, uh, it's it's funny when you think about it, but yeah, it was a really colorful world. But what we also realize is that would allow us to shift the the tone towards the end of the movie and go for more for a, a colder um, color palette. My understanding is that you studied a World War II photographer prior to shooting. No, we we that was one of our main uh, our first um, approach, uh, and it was just searching and and printing. Uh, a lot of um, uh, stills with kids during World War Two, and we we took those from from the Magnum Agency from from Bresson and Dono, and there are a lot of a lot of interesting stills, and those were all black and white. But I think I think what those gave us uh, was just a certain vibe for that we felt that it would work for for our our story because there were such strange photos like you would see in some of them like right out of the bat they're like kids wearing gas masks on a playground or or just playing close to a pile of bombs or or things are more subtle but um, all those together that they they kind of spoke to to us for yeah the because the world it's it's from jojo's perspective yeah. and uh, it's it's almost because of the colors it's almost this sort of childlike you know fanciful look at it but then when that scene i don't want to give any spoilers but when he follows the butterfly into the sh- i mean can you talk about that a little bit in terms of the changeover of the mood it, it, it wasn't i think what was interesting about that scene is that that wasn't supposed to be as as cold as it is now when when we shot it it was a really sunny day and it was interesting we we changed it later when we make it we made it more wintry with with some help of of vfx and and color grading um but um that's the main um switch point for for the color palette in in the movie i was i was very struck by actually the restraint in the way that that moment was shot and i was wondering if you could speak a little bit to that was that the original intention did you uh, originally show more and then kind of pull back no we we kind of knew that we don't um want to show too much and that's why we 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 spoke a lot about um finding the best ways to 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 show and make the audience aware that those are Rosie's shoes and there was only and trying to do that not only by placing the camera really low but finding certain locations where that will happen naturally and, and it made me kind of call back to earlier moments in in the film too like the moments when she's dancing on the wall yeah, because there was yeah. a very particular attention paid towards the shoes and, and I thought that was in that moment you know it it, it broke my heart and made me think about and it's yeah, yeah. and in, in the pool as well we yep. that's why we love that that pool location so much because it, it had all those also all, the, all those levels and we we knew that we'll we'll be able to do that there too yeah. how much were you involved with um the location scouting at all or was that something you talked about we, with Taika? No, we, we, we did it um, very early on and uh, it, it was really great because we, we took a lot of photos and we, we printed them and we were trying to figure out how to how to match everything together and how to, to match the exterior with, with the interior uh, set and, and so on. 
And you shot this on Ari Alexa, is that yeah, correct? On, on the Alexa SXT, yeah. And what, what was the reason for that choice? Um, I mean, usually I'm, I'm trying to test as many cameras and, and lenses as possible early on. But for, for this project, I think we, we spoke about trying to test everything from 133 to 240. And uh, Alexa felt the right platform that will give us a, a, a more square sensor to start with. So it will allow us to, to go through all these formats without losing too much resolution and keeping it consistent. And um, in the end, we settled down for, for 185. But um, our approach to 185 was a little different in terms of uh, lensing because we decided to to try to do it anamorphic, but with using a, a 1.3 anamorphic lens that will, will give us uh, almost exactly 185. It will give us like a 1.9 that we can crop to 185 and uh, that's why it felt it felt right to to basically start with a more square sensor it doesn't have that kind of documentary style which i'm guessing was by choice obviously yeah, yeah. You didn't want it to have that kind of look no we 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 felt that 240 was a little bit too cinematic for for our story, but we wanted to keep all those elements from from an anamorphic lens and and kind of meet in the middle. And we we definitely didn't want to go too close to to documentary because one of the things we discussed was to to uh, never go handheld and have mm -hmm. a more classic approach to to camera movements. So there was no handheld no. throughout. The, wow. No. Everything was on smooth dolly moves. Nice. And yeah. I don't know if this was something that I felt like I picked this up in the very, early, again, early half of the film. It felt to me like your use of uh, depth of field was a bit shallower. And then as as his world sort of invaded upon him, it felt like things kind of opened up. Was that was that a conscious? Uh, I don't think it was too uh, intentional. I mean, I think it, it definitely came from from the use of anamorphic lenses for for one eight five, um, and um, probably just to um, just because the 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 way the the war scenes were designed, where we wanted to place Giorgio in the middle of of all the the craziness, um, but because we we wanted to feel what's behind him, we would shoot at a deeper stop. What was it like to work with Taika? It was great. It was really he's really fun to to work with, but uh, he has a really interesting approach. Like we 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 storyboarded only the war scenes, and um, then we we pretty much went rehearse block and and shoot every other scene. So we would we would take a lot of um, ideas from from the actors, and just by doing that, by not uh, coming up with a with a precise plan. Uh, that would give them as as much freedom as they they need. How does that compare with uh, like the master? Uh, I mean, it's 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 a different, a little bit of a different approach. Like uh, Paul had kind of the same 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 approach, but like because of the tools we need and 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 uh, because of the subject and everything, it's it's a little different. A, there's a lot of cinematographers who work with the same director over and over again, and you are so in demand. You're just working on so many different projects. How is it? That, how, how could you talk a little bit about going from, you know, working with different directors and how you adapt to that? Is it just literally your adaptation to storytelling, or I, I think it's yeah, adapting to the to each 
project, but but also um, I think uh, I usually take my time and listen a lot in prep just to try to figure out uh, what what the director likes and just to make sure we are on the same page. <laughs> Was there something on this production that maybe you, you know, you you have an immense body of work. Was there something that you were able to do on this film that maybe weren't able to do on others that you did for the you know, first time? Um, yeah, I mean, just the, the, the use of, of this 1.3 anamorphic lens is 4185. Mm-hmm. It's, the, it's the first time. It's the first time I've, I've done that. And, and how did you like great. that? No, it's great. Yeah. It's really great. Well, thank you for your time. We really appreciate it. Thank you. Good luck with award season. I think you're going to be going to a lot of ceremonies. <laughs> thank you so much. Hopefully. <laughs> Thanks. Visit the HMCnetwork.com for more great podcasts and to subscribe to our mailing list so you never miss an update. <laughs>